This is East Carolina All-American Brian Packard, and we're talking pirate baseball in the sports objective. to a very special edition of the Sports Objective as we are previewing the Charlottesville Regional. Bubba, I can't believe, just a couple days away and we'll be getting ready for uh, uh, the seasons. Where is the season going? But we're getting ready for a regional. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's that time again. It doesn't seem like it's been nearly a year since that Super Regional, but very excited uh, despite uh, not hosting like Coach Godwin's told us, you know, it's not going to happen every year as badly as we want it to. We're certainly uh, spoiled as Pirate fans with the success the program has had over the last several seasons. But, uh, right now, very excited to dive into Friday night's matchup with the national runner-up from 2022, and that is, of course, the Oklahoma Sooners. And to do that, we'd like to welcome in from the Oklahoma Baseball Experience Brandon Schultz. Brandon, we appreciate your time. No, thank you all for having me and Bubba. We kind of kind of swapped podcasts for, for a couple of nights here. We're thankful to have you on our program as well. And I got to say, you got the Guns N' Roses intro here. You're getting a little, getting a little hyped up. It's very nice. Yeah, the outfield is called at Clark O'Clair Stadium. Brandon, it's called The Jungle. And so you that, you'll hear that song a lot at, at Clark O'Clair and um so uh, Bubba does a nice job with the music and uh, producing the show. But wanted to have you on. I know that uh, the Coach Godwin said right after the selection show was over, um, he has a lot of respect for your coach, uh, Coach Skip, and he, he mentioned that. And he mentioned the fact that, um, which is very true, every single team in this tournament, all 64, are good teams or they wouldn't be here. There's what, guys? Y'all are the stats, guys. I think it's 300 teams in college baseball, so only 64 make it. And I'm really excited about this regional, even if you take away from the fact that uh, we're talking about our game uh, Friday night, obviously, but um, two of the four teams. But I think all four teams is going to be exciting. It's going to be, from a college baseball perspective, I think the committee um, overall, I think they did a really good job with the matchups. There's a lot of uh, fun things um, that we can look at over the over the next couple of days as we're getting ready for the regional. But I just want to get your take on that, Brandon. Uh, what are your thoughts on the East Carolina matchup and maybe about the regional itself? Yeah, no, I mean, going back to what you said about about Skip, I mean, uh, you know, he's he's an Augie Garrido. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, you all know who, who Augie is. Uh, famous videos for his rants, of course. That's how most people know him. But, you know, Cal Fullerton and, and Texas – a uh, ton of national championships, one of the most well-known uh, college baseball coaches that there would be if you were to bring up college baseball. But he he was his pitching coach at Texas. I mean, uh, well-respected around the game, like you said, has has MLB guys. Kershaw comes um, and works with Skip in, in off-seasons and, and other MLB guys. So, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to hear. It's cool to have a coach like Skip Johnson at your program where, 
Uh, he's he's a well-respected name and and honestly an, an even better coach and an even better guy. I mean, you talk about someone who just, you know, we we always we'll have players on and, and we'll ask them, you know, what's what Skip saying? You know, what was Skip saying? Was he even paying attention uh, when it came time for selection? So and yeah, he legitimately doesn't care about that stuff. He's all about developing players. Um, and, and it's, it's not fake when people are like, ah, yeah, you know, we weren't, we weren't paying attention to the, the rankings. He actually probably wasn't, I mean, he, he cares about developing players, um, and, and, and that sort of thing, but no, I think first and foremost, when we're talking about this weekend, I think we're just happy to be in, I mean, second to last team in the tournament, um, obviously after last year, a heck of a ride, uh, making it to Omaha and then, and then making it to the final. Um, and so this year we knew losing uh, you know 11 guys to the draft one more uh was undrafted free agent so we lost 12 guys um you could really say they were 12 starters um and so having to revamp pretty much the whole ball club uh we didn't really know what we were um gonna expect this year but it's been an up and down year um and uh rpi was great for us some of the losses we had were not so great conference record wasn't so great, but uh, we're, we're happy to be in the tournament. And, you know, um, it's, it's a team that can certainly make a run, uh, but there's a lot of good competition around this tournament. So. Before we dive into the OU roster and, and this matchup between the Pirates and Sooners on Friday up in Davenport Field in Charlottesville, just tell our viewers and listeners about your background, um, your, your, your love of, Oklahoma's Sooner Baseball and then what you do with the Oklahoma Baseball Experience. And uh, you guys have an awesome intro as well that I believe what the boys of the Sooners uh, put together for you guys. Yeah, no, we had uh, very fortunate. I mean, uh, you know, our um, and I don't know how this is at every school. I know most schools are pretty much the same where you'll have your, uh, you know, your your main voice of the of the school. Um, Toby Rowland is is ours. He does football, obviously. You know, that's you're talking about a guy that's you know on Saturday probably got a hundred thousand people listening in. Um, it, it's it, you know he does basketball and then he does baseball, uh, but he really loves baseball. Like he really truly loves the game of baseball. It's um, certainly his is as well as he does at all the other sports. You know, he is a big proponent of the program. And uh, he was kind enough to, to do that intro for us, which we were, we were really pumped about. Um, but yeah, so we started with, uh, I mean, really, you know, college, I've always loved college baseball. Um, I grew up in Tulsa. I actually grew up going to Oral Roberts University baseball games, which y'all know who uh, Oral Roberts is probably because mid-majors, I mean, us mid-majors have got to stick together and uh, fight the power uh, sometimes. But uh, no, I, I grew up going there, grew up as a huge OU fan as well. Um, but of course, them being across the state, it was easier to go to some games in Tulsa. Um, so grew up an OU, huge OU fan, huge ORU fan, huge college baseball fan. Um, and so, you know, it's like I said, it's cool that there's other programs uh, that have a following college baseball and, and podcasts like you all. Uh, we started our Twitter spaces last year. Um, in early January and had a, a lot of uh, interest in that. Uh, and then, of course, the team goes on that kind of magical run and it continued to grow. And, um, you know, this year we decided to go ahead and go full podcast. And uh, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. And it's just, you know, 
taking one step at a time. You know, you guys have been doing this for five years now. So you know how that goes. You, you start and then you adjust and you add on and every year things get a little bit easier. So you add something new on. And um, so that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. When we started, as people know there, uh, Brandon, they, we had to start by recording our show via phone and then release it in that way as a podcast. And, you know, the quality wasn't the greatest like we wanted, but we, at the time we had three guys in three different towns across North Carolina. So we had to do the best we could until Bubba. Um, one of the only good things that happened during the time of COVID was uh, Bubba found a stream yard here where we could stream it on Facebook and YouTube. And that really over the last, it's been April of uh, 2020. So, uh, the last three years we've had the the quality has been so much better but um you have to like i said at the very beginning of the podcast you have to start somewhere and so um we're really proud of uh, i know probably people thought when we started we were the very first podcast as bubba can tell you for the pirates and now there's a lot more but we were the first and uh so it's something to be said for that we were not obviously early on in the podcasting days but as far as uh, east carolina uh, we were very early on. Yeah, and before we really dive into this matchup, what the Oklahoma Sooners bring to the table, because like you said, it is a much different team than the one a season ago. Uh, you mentioned that word or that expression, mid-major. How ridiculous is it, Brandon, that you have programs, be it in East Carolina, who's uh, you know hoping this year to maybe advance to a four-straight super regional uh, going way back to 2019 and then you obviously had back in 2016 the coastal carolina shots of clears won the national title and uh, southern miss has hosted on several occasions has been to omaha louisiana has been to omaha obviously you have other stories like stony brook kent state uh, so that's something i know um, i'm sure the fan bases at those schools would agree that uh, that's something you know that the media came up with, and, you know, going back to football, and uh, that's something that you know, kind of like with that term P5 and G5. And uh, I know as pirate fans, uh, we, we just absolutely hate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting, interesting thing about about the sport. And I mean, you know, I don't, I don't feel like you know, basketball, I feel like basketball and, and college baseball are, are tied fairly similarly uh, with RPI and you got mid-majors that do do well. And, you know, it's like the that term, you know, I think it's one of those I've always thought as a, you know, as a fan of a, of a mid-major school um, that it's kind of fun to be the underdog sometimes. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's cool to have a team. Um you know, when, when OU has been on runs and historically that, you know, they can kind of bully people around. It's, it's a lot of fun too, but you know, it's kind of fun being an underdog or thought of as an underdog school compared to some of the, the larger uh, power conferences. Um, and you go in there and you, you know, sometimes, you know, there's been big wins against, you know, OSU this year. Um, and then there's been big wins against Arkansas and, and, you know, that gets a lot of publicity. So I think it's, it's kind of fun, but I totally get it. I, I often wonder how long it's going to take before the uh, landscape of college baseball adjusts. But um, I think that's in all of college sports. I, I think everyone can kind of feel it coming. Yeah. And, and for, for me there, Brandon, the thing is the program like bubble saying is a top 10, top 15 program perennially. I mean, it's not like, they just like draw names out of a hat and say, okay, 
run is going to be 15 this year or 10. And so I think that's the frustration that our fan base has uh, with that term mid-major because for us, a mid-major would be like, I don't want to throw out schools, but there are other schools around the area and the region in the Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina area that would fit maybe that label. Um, but we have 30,000 students. Um, yeah. I want to make that very <laughs> clear to people. We're not a small college or university and there's small universities that you hear, you know, talk about how they're a big time program. And I understand maybe an individual sport, but when it comes to East Carolina and baseball, and also I feel like with baseball, it's more of a tight knit community. Um, as far as the baseball programs, I think um, the baseball coaches uh, as a whole respect the media a lot when it comes to um, maybe not every single coach. I don't know. I can't speak for every single coach, but um, our experience has been the baseball coaches have been extremely accessible. Um, they have treated us very well. Not that the other coaches for other sports don't, but there's something magical or special about the, say, for example, in North Carolina, in the state, we have 18 Division One programs. We didn't this year, but most of the time we put together a, uh, Bubba is amazing with this, a uh, preview of the 18 schools. And wow. they, they come on and they talk to us and they thank us for what we're doing for college baseball. I know that's coach speak to a point, but uh, we don't we don't get that from the other sports in that regard. Well, that's the thing that they they appreciate the coverage of because you know not every baseball program is like in East Carolina or NC State or some of the other teams within the states. Um, and like you said, I, I won't call I won't say any names, but uh, you know those programs, you could tell they genuinely appreciated somebody covering their program. Well, I I was on a, a TCU um, podcast. Uh, I I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you in the fact that college baseball is a more close-knit community, uh, more accessible. Uh, I, I mean, it, we have we have players on pretty much every week from the team. Um, there's no other major college sport that would have a player come on a fan podcast, uh, you know. And, and so, but I think that goes to the fact that, you know, in all reality, college baseball is not one of the most followed. It's third most followed sport, you know, behind football and, and basketball. But I do think it's growing. I really do. And I do think that, you know, there is going to be more of a um, a, a market for, you know, your all's podcast and, and our podcast. And and eventually as, as the sport continues to grow and interest continues to grow. So um, I love it. I love college baseball. I hope it continues to grow. I've, I, I would watch any college baseball game of any team playing anywhere. Um, I, I don't care. I think it's, I think it's fun. I love college sports and I love baseball. So I would watch any team anywhere. So I'm a big proponent of, of the sport. Yeah. I had a Bubba, by the way, I had a sidebar for you real quick, Brandon. Uh, was the national media was talking about NIL and, um, they were talking about the, of course, the great run of the great program you have softball wise with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, this was just fascinating. Help me out on this because you're an Oklahoma guy. And they were talking about there's more, I, I forgot to tell you about this, Bubba. There's more NIL money for the softball program than the baseball program. And I just found that I understand how big the program is with softball. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, so I'm not disrespecting the softball program at all, but I totally. just thought that was kind of interesting. I thought there would be more, you would think it would be the other way around, um, that there would be more for the baseball, but that's one of the things that I hope for, uh, for not only our baseball program, but baseball uh, in college as a whole is that we'll get more money for our baseball players. Maybe I'm a big baseball fan, so I'm biased, but I think there's a lot to be had there to help our individual programs out. Yeah, I, I would I would go further than that and tell you that in, in all reality, I believe our women's basketball team and track team has more NIL money than our baseball team. Um, so, yes, like it. And that is that is something that uh, myself and Johnny are working, you know, when we talk about next steps, you know, that's something that we're working towards. How can we can we, you know, do that? I think part of it with college baseball is um I don't know. I think I just feel like college baseball is, is a little bit older minded at times. And it's, and it's hard for um, coaches or programs to grasp onto the, the, the NIL as quickly as some of the other programs do. Um, but I, I also think NIL has got to get fixed in, in some capacity at some point. And I, I don't, obviously you play with what you have right now and NIL is a big deal, but you know, the thing we really don't want to have happen I feel like, and you all may have a different opinion on this than me, uh, in the future is, you know, we don't want a donor to become a owner of, of a baseball program. And I feel like that's what you have at LSU. I, again, exactly. I bought another school. Um, but that, that program bought a championship caliber squad, not to say LSU wouldn't have had a good baseball team. They would have, I mean, it's, it's obvious it's L, it's LSU. Uh, it's, it's a great program historically, but you know, there's a, a great chance that LSU goes into Omaha and wins the thing. And, you know, if so, they bought a championship. And I, I just don't want to see college baseball become, you know, it's not ML, it's not a, a, a major league program. It's we shouldn't have donors becoming owners and buying championships. Yeah, that's one of the things you can expect in, that from Bubba. That's one of the things in baseball you're saying that that I love it so much is because of the, the purity of the college game. And so hopefully, uh, not against NIL, but uh, what NIL has become is uh, certainly not what it was intended to be. And that's what I'm against. Kind of shifting gears, and if you want to, Brandon, uh, we'll take a look at this. Matchup between the Pirates and Sooners on, on Friday night, ESPN 2, 7 o'clock first pitch in the Charlottesville Regional. So, uh, you know, obviously, we just concluded a Twitter space uh, with, with Dan Siegel, who's a Virginia beat writer. But, um, give us a thumbnail sketch of the Sooners season. I know you said it uh, was very updated. You see a 31-26 and 26 record. And uh, right there, around 500 in the Big 12. You split Texas, you split a series with a non-conference opponent that's top eight uh, in the tournament in Stanford, but then you also uh, you had some kind of puzzling results along the way. Oh, yeah, to totally puzzling at times. Um, I don't know that my uh, – I'll probably die of a heart attack at 50 uh, because of this season right here. Uh, it's just been – you, you never know in a game. Um, and that's, that's definitely been, I mean, not to say it hasn't been exciting. I mean, you just, you never know what's going to happen. Um, we're, we're going out there and, and laying an egg in, in a conference series against a Baylor or, or K state, a team that, you know, 
historically and, and in all reality this year, we, we should do well against and, and we don't do well against them. And then, you know, oftentimes the very next week or two weeks later, like you said, we're sweeping Texas at home um, when they're hot. I mean, Texas started the year off slow, but then they got on a hot streak and, um, we, you know, we kind of beat them when they were hot. And then, of course, Stanford was good all year. And, uh, and, and we go and, and split that, uh, split that. Um, I think another thing that one that stands out is um, the second to last week of the year, we played Dallas Baptist and then uh, two against West Virginia. And we went two and two with, with that. And those were two top 25 teams at the time. And um, in all reality, we didn't get to start um, our, our typical starter on the, the getaway game uh, because of, of some rain and, you know, we ended up trying to do an opener that didn't really work and that got us off schedule. And um, then we ended up playing them really close the rest of the game. And so you look at that and then you go into the Oklahoma State series and, you know, you lose two out of three pretty ugly fashion, uh, to be quite honest, outside of a Braden Carmichael complete game shutout. And uh, and that's just kind of the season that it was. Um, you know, this team has shown it's like a thunderstorm. It's flashes of brilliance followed by total darkness. Um, and, and, but those flashes of brilliance are so bright that you just get in this, this mindset of like, you know, this team could actually beat anyone in the country. I mean, Stanford. I mean, Stanford is a, a national seed, top eight. Um, you know, you, this team can beat anyone in the, in the country. But at the same time, we could also lose anyone in the country. So it's been that kind of a year. Um, I think when you flip your, your entire roster outside of, uh, really three players that's probably going to happen. Um, but it, it's definitely been a struggle and, and it's mostly been on the pitching side. I know you all kind of want to hear about the breakdown of, of what we, what we've got going. Our offense has been relatively after the first two weeks has been really relatively stable. Uh, we score a lot of runs, most games um, you're, you're looking at five to seven runs pretty much guaranteed uh, it's rare when we don't score that many, um, it, but it's, it's been the pitching um, and, and it's been late game pitching. Um, and we also not really ever solidified a week in rotation, uh, which as you all know, is extremely important just to know that you can get some length out of, out of guys on the weekend. Um, so that, that's really been our, our biggest challenge is uh, pitching and then um, some really surprising miscues on defense. Um, we, we go through spurts of, of really struggling, uh, throwing the ball around the yard, kind of a, kind of a deal. So. Taking a look at Ben Carmichael, veteran lefty began his career at a junior college down in Texas. And then um, obviously now he has the opportunity to play a season with his brother on this uh, Sooners roster. Uh, so um, tell us, what makes Braden successful? Because you look at his numbers, he's not a high strikeout guy. He's, what, a 5'10", 5'11", left-hander. And um, I would say kind of your, at least from afar, perhaps your stereotypical left-hander uh, in that uh, he's not a high strikeout guy, kind of a crafty lefty, perhaps uh, would be a good way to describe him. 59 strikeouts and a uh, little over 70 innings, maybe it was it 72 or 74 and a third. And uh, one of the things that I noticed is that despite his success and being seven, he's allowed the most doubles on the team. And granted, he's pitched more innings than most people, but still, uh, 
seeing 23 doubles was a little uh, eye-opening. Yeah, he is. Uh, so he's actually, I mean, Brain Carmichael is a really cool story. I mean, his dad was a catcher at OU. Um, and his brother's now at OU. Um, he's a fifth-year guy. So he's now been at OU. He did start at a junior college, but he's been at OU for a long time now. Um, but, I mean, if you go look at his stats over the last few years, I mean, nothing that really jumps off the paper at you. You know, um, he's he's a you know, a guy that kind of has struggled to find a role in his time at OU until this year um, and, and really put it all together. He'll tell you, I mean, we've, we've had him on the, on the show before. Um, and, and he's certainly told us that kind of this year he's uh, you know, I, I think everyone talks about buying in to a program or a, a coach or a mentality. And I think this year he's really bought in to what Skip has been preaching for uh, a number of years and, I'm sure that comes with maturity and for some guys it happens at, at different times, but he has bought in and, uh, you know, trusted the pitch, trusted his pitching, not worrying, going in and not worrying about results. Um, and that's something that Skip talks about often is, you know, you throw the ball where you're supposed to throw it and whether they hit it or not, there's nothing you can do about that. You can only control where you, where you throw it. I think he's done that this year. Um, and, and he's been able to pitch with that confidence. Like you said, a uh, lot of pitchability, a lot of can throw a lot. Um, he can kind of um, change speeds on you quite a bit. Um, and but when you look at it, you know he's a pitched contact guy. He he wants you to hit the ball, um, and so he is gonna he's gonna take his lumps a little bit when and get hit. Um, but because he's trusting it and and he's just throwing it where he's supposed to throw it, and not trying to throw it somewhere. Um, you know he's he's had a lot of ability to get guys out. Um, and it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, it is, I know everyone loves the strikeout and home runs, but it's fun to watch Braden working at bat. So. Yeah. Very impressive the way, and I know this is something I brought up last night, just looking at the statistics and, uh, when we were discussing this on the Oklahoma baseball experience and definitely encourage our viewers and listeners to go back and check out that interview. Um, we shared it on our social media, but, um, just seeing that last year and what roughly you know, 28 to 30 innings, he walked, I want to say 20 and this year in 74 and a third, he's only walked maybe 13. Yeah. Yeah, it is 13. And I, I, I just have to, I would imagine that um, goes back to, you know, not trying to throw strikes, you know, not trying to place the ball um, and trusting his stuff more, which, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's where most guys would be at, you know, uh, and, and when you're looking at college players, most guys probably just need that maturity or, uh, and everyone hits it at a different point where when you start trusting your stuff and um, just start throwing um, instead of trying to make pitches perfect. And, and that's, that's what he's done. So uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, we would not be where we're at right now without Braden Carmichael. Um, and so uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. I one question I was going to have for you all um, is have, when you all face lefty starters, have you struggled or has it, you know, has it been pretty? There's mixed bag. It depends. Um, I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank on his name. The the, um, the Friday night starter for Wichita State. Obviously, we played Saturday. I told you the circumstances of that series, but uh, he totally shut us down. Um, yeah, it's the game of his life. <laughs> yeah, very good arm, but he, he shut us down. 
Uh, and then there were other lefties who did the same, but then there were other lefties that we that are were quality pitchers that we lit up. And I think it's one of those things that, uh, despite us being a left-handed dominant lineup, that that we and those left-handed bats are so used to seeing left-handed pitching that uh, obviously um, the ones with excellent stuff, um, they're going to be able to shut a lot of people down, whether it's left on right or left on left. Yeah, I would add to that. I think that our, um, I think when you look at uh, our lineup, um, the one thing that I would say that uh, is no secret, it's not a hot take, is it's about the middle innings that you um, find that they start scoring runs um, for the Pirates. So that's one thing. Um, a slow start team, if you will, would be what most people, I think you could argue, and would be fair um, this year. And then um, Jacob Starling is a guy that our leadoff hitter, he's the Cliff Godwin is famous for, by the way, uh, Brandon, for changing the lineup. So now that I say Jacob Starling, he'll probably say, I heard the, the Sports of Jacob podcast, so we're going to change the lineup. Um, but he's he's the guy that's the only true right-hander on the team. He plays second base. He's the guy that can go yard. I mean, he's just a long ball guy, and he's the guy that can make that special play. Um, a really great second baseman, and um, he's, he's a special player. And um, the guy that – I'll just say this. The guy that I'm looking for, the X factor, and I don't know, Bubba, I haven't talked to you off air about this, but um, – the guy that he was hitting very, very well, great player. He got injured. Um, I think it was a UCF series would be Jacob Jenkins Coward. JC is my X factor. If you see number three, he's a lefty. Speaking of lefties, he's the guy that has uh, a lot of promise. He's a guy that will be eligible for the draft next year. He's only a sophomore out of Greensboro, North Carolina. And he's a guy that's a really good hitter. And if he... Um, he's coming off that injury um, in April, but if he really starts uh, warming up and his bat is red hot, then that might be a difference maker for the Pirates. But uh, he's the one that I'm looking for as far as the offensive side of the ball. What about you, Bubba? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Jacob Jenkins Coward, or JJC, as he's known by Pirate fans, that's what uh, he's a corner outfielder. Uh, last year, he had a stellar season. Uh, really did a lot of great things all year long, but especially the, the uh, postseason and uh, had some highlight real moments against the Longhorns. But, uh, yeah, like Dave said, uh, he had an injury um, that you would certainly not want to see anyone have, and, uh, and not that you want to see anyone have any type of injury. But, uh, you know, he, he uh, unfortunately fouled a ball off his, uh, his man parts uh, <laughs> against the uh, again yeah against the um, UCF, UCF Knights. It was game two of that yeah. UCF series because two games prior he had had a three home run game against NC State. Um, so yeah, you know. he, he hit the ball hard at least one or a couple at bats, but didn't have anything to show for it. And his final three at bats of that NC State game, he went yard. And then, yeah, of course, two, yeah, two games later, he has that happen. He thought it was just one of those things, you know, that he's going to be able to push through and remained in the game after talking with the trainer. And then probably two or three minutes later, while he's on second base, 
he's like, no, nah, this is more than uh, just a shot to the midsection. So oh. um, a couple days later, or not not even, you know, he he had surgery and you know, and then returned. I guess probably ten days later, uh, out at that yep. series at, at Wichita State. Wow, that is that is something. I don't know that I've ever heard that before. So, geez. But, yeah, it's yeah, a good. And one thing with Jenkins Cowart uh, that we haven't mentioned, I think I mentioned it with you guys last night. A lot of times, you know, about the seventh or eighth inning, he'll lead the game um, if he's a corner outfielder, and we'll substitute in Riley Johnson, and Lane Hoover will bump over from from center to left, and Riley Johnson will go play center, and then Carter Cunningham in right. Sometimes Luke. Luke Nowak had really been a pretty consistent starter, whether it was uh, in left field or at DH, but uh, not so much here the last three or four games. And uh, one of the things you guys I know do very well, Brandon, is uh, steal bases mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and 104 bags. Nowak is probably uh, – he's probably the fastest guy on the team. So if you see him, uh, they'll have him uh, – like Bubba said, he's got a very good bat. And he runs the bases extremely well, and uh, he's a guy that would definitely fit in the Sooner lineup as far as uh, stealing bases. He's probably our best uh, guy, I would argue. I, I don't know if Bubba would, but that's my that's my take. I would, yeah. I mean, when you when and when you talk about OU, I mean, that's the kind of what happened last year um, is is that chaos mantra that we have, of course, spelled OU instead of just the O, but. Uh, you know, we got Reggie Willits from uh, from the Yankees. He was a former alumni. Uh, I think he was the first base coach with the Yankees. Uh, and so he ended up coming on the program last year as a special assistant. And uh, he really kind of helped develop this. I mean, we do try to steal a lot of bags. We have a lot of athletic guys. Uh, for crying out loud, our, our first baseman is our second uh, top base dealer with 20, 21 bags uh, as a first baseman. Um, so, and, and he did play a little bit of third this year. So we're just very athletic um, all the way around. And another, you know, crazy kind of stat about, you know, how athletic as a, of a team we are, our catcher is leading the team in triples, you know? And, and so it, it, it's just like all, all, all the guys on the team are um, extremely athletic Um most of them you would consider, you know, plus speed. Um, John Spikerman's as dynamic, uh, our center fielders, as dynamic of a player as there is in college baseball. Um, he, he struggled last year. He didn't play until I, I don't remember the exact date, about halfway through the year um, with some, some back problems. And then this year to start the year, um, he was having some of those same issues. Um, but he's really gotten healthy these last three weeks and his, his average has improved dramatically. Um, he's probably the guy that when you're looking at, you know, OU stat sheet, you know, you're looking at his 265 average and, uh, you know, three home runs and maybe not being that impressed, but he is a guy that can take over, um, a, uh, take over a game for sure. So, uh, outfield wise, ton of speed, uh, Madron, Spikerman, and Kendall Pettis. Um, so really, really quick, really athletic around the field. Um, like I said, I mean, we're going to score runs. We're going to push the issue. 
Um, we're going to try and take extra bags. We're going to, you know, send guys home when there's going to be a close play. We're going to make you make plays. Um, but it, it's really just going to be a matter of how many runs can we keep off the board? Because after we get through Braden Carmichael, you know, Jamie Hitt's been uh, pretty solid this year as our number two starter after that, that, you know, there's really no telling who uh, we would be starting in a game, game three, four scenario. Um, our best reliever out of the pin is, is Carter Campbell. He's another lefty. Um, he's definitely had a, a really solid year. Um, he's, he's been one of the only guys that would, would, you would say has been trustworthy throughout the whole, whole body of work the whole year. Um, and then after that, you know, you're really piecing it together. There's been guys uh, from the bullpen that have been good at different parts of the year. And, and some of them have been really good at different parts of the year. Um, but, but, you know, there's really only two or three, four guys in the bullpen that's put together a full year of, of dependability. So. Yeah, when I was talking to Johnny, uh, you know, Johnny with the uh, Oklahoma baseball experience for our viewers and listeners, um, and you'll certainly you can hear from him. Uh, take I'll encourage you to take part uh, in a Twitter space that the Oklahoma baseball experience is having on Thursday night. Uh, Brandon, do you know the time of that? Uh, so you all are on the East Coast, correct? Correct. Yeah, so that would be nine o'clock your all's time. Uh, eight o'clock hours, so eight o'clock yeah. central, nine o'clock. Okay, and we'll put that on our social media pirate fans to link to join the the Twitter space uh, for the Oklahoma baseball experience. Um, definitely encourage you to at least listen in, and then you can always request to speak and chime in if you have anything to add to the conversation. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad you you're talking about chaos and the the 109 stolen bases in you know, East Carolina. I mean, has the luxury of having a couple of quality catchers. And for the most part, it's been Justin Wilcox. And uh, he's thrown out about 20 base stealers this year. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that matchup with him and the OU running game. Yeah, I, I am too. It's, it's certainly, you know, it's certainly one of those places where there are times, uh, you know, it, it's how committed we are to the run game. Uh, it's kind of like football, you know, how committed are you going to be to the run game? Uh, but we have seen situations this year where we have potentially run ourselves out of games. And, and that was known going into the season that that would probably happen because it's also going to win you a bunch of games too. Um, and so it's, it's really hard. I think last year we got picked off a little bit more than we did this year. Um, so I do feel like we're, we've been a little bit smarter about getting picked off. Um, but sometimes we will, push the issue to the point where I think some of the fans are like, let's get a couple of runs ahead first, or at least catch back up when we're only down one or two um, instead of running us out of innings. But it, it, it's part of it. You know, it, we always say the, uh, the chaos giveth and it taketh away. So. Yeah. East, East Carolina offensively. And that's something we did not talk that much about with the Twitter space tonight. Um, we do have the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark, uh, 74 home runs as, as a team. I think at least five guys with eight or more led by first baseman Josh Moreland, uh, who's a junior and has really bounced back after a, a struggle in 2022. He has uh, right around 300, a little, little over 300, I think, batting average and has hit 15 home runs and driven in probably about 60 or more. But uh, – when 
you take a look at the Pirates, um, it's a very versatile offense. You had a weird stretch there in the middle of the season. Those games that I mentioned at Wichita State where we only scored three runs, um, got shut out twice. And um, there was a, another game where we got shut out in that stretch. So, um, but out, outside of that, um, for the most part, we've been pretty good offensively. Um, like Dave mentioned, there have been those games where we started slowly and then, uh, you know, Coach Godwin, he'll fake bunt still a lot. He'll, in a 3-0 count, will show bunt and then pull the bat back. Um, you know, that would be a good over-under for like a prop bet like you would have for the Super, Super Bowl is how many times, um, you know, the Pirate um, batters will, will, will show, show so bunt. Yeah. And I would say – there's no telling. This is probably way low. I, I'd set it at probably, I don't know, fourteen and a half. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep up with that on Friday to see hey, I, how I many times too, we choke yeah. on. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to as well. So, yeah, Bubba. By the way, uh, if you want to bet, you're gonna be able to bet on baseball next year. So uh, maybe uh, they're really close to passing it, where you can bet on your phone, uh, mobile, and they're also going to have it around the state of North Carolina. So the legislature is one thing. There's so many problems in North Carolina, <laughs> but the one thing they can all agree on is uh, sports betting. So we should have that um, definitely by the Super Bowl, um, but it may be as late as uh, this time next year in June, so a year perhaps, from now. Perhaps an NIL opportunity for the former Alabama coach, right? I was going to say, I was just, exactly. we, we had to get an Alabama joke in there. Yeah, I was like, man, you guys might have a new uh, new special assistant on your uh, on your staff next year somewhere in, in North Carolina. And then, and then, then the whole connection with the uh, the father of the Cincinnati player that was pretty uh, pretty interesting to read some of those articles. I have not kept up with that story very much in the last couple of weeks, but I I cannot wait to um, you know see see where that one ends up and once everything has officially all come out, how in the world what what happened? I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. Especially when you think about after the 2016 run that Cliff Godman had, Bubba helped me out on this, but I, I was told, I don't know if this is true, but Cliff Godwin being a great coach gets offered, you know, or rumored to be a part of the uh, coaching search of blah, 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 whatever school. But Alabama uh, came calling and I, I heard up to a million dollars a year and he turned him down. Was that right, Bubba? It was way up there, if it's not. I don't recall the dollar figure. That sounds correct. And um, that was in 2016 after East Carolina was within 90 feet of Omaha where we went out to Texas Tech after after coming out of the Charlottesville Regional and um, won game one against the Red Raiders and then and had those opportunities. I hit a, hit a ball, hit the backside of the mound, and it – Ricocheted and you know, shot over toward second base, oh, off the bat of Brady Lloyd. Um, yeah. Looked looked like it was headed into center field off the bat, and then it hit the back of the mound, and you know got him. They threw him out by probably a step or something at at first. So I was I said, "You got to be kidding me!" Because off the bat, I was like, I raised my hand. I said, "I was like, yes, we're going to Omaha finally." Yeah, it felt like it certainly that and that particular day in Eastern North Carolina. Um, a sidebar. I was DJing a wedding. It was like 95 degrees. 
I was sweating, and uh, I literally was listening to our friend, uh, the play-by-play voice at the time, Corey Glore, um, just trying to keep up with the game, and I'm DJing at the same time. <laughs> it's sweat, 95 degrees outside, at least in eastern North Carolina. I can't speak for Bubba being in the western part, but it was a really hot day, and I uh, remember that game very, very well. I thought we had it, I'll be honest, with the way that we were playing that day, but some things are not meant to be, but... As far as Oklahoma is concerned, I did have a question uh, as far as um, with SEC dominance again this year. I think it's, uh, what, eight host site mm-hmm. sites. Uh, what do you guys feel about uh, as far as I haven't asked anybody, you hear all the time about basketball and uh, football, but how do you guys feel about moving to the SEC, you guys in uh, Texas? Yeah, I, great question. I haven't really been asked that one um, much from – from other other teams uh you know i think really from a facilities standpoint uh we're, we're well behind we are way way behind uh we're we're way behind in some some aspects in big 12 so uh you know our renovations are coming uh to eldale uh probably in the next year or two uh, they'll break ground so we are we are starting to i think it's 45 million dollar renovations um, I'm sure it'll end up being more than that uh, throughout the next couple of years. So we're, we're trying to pick that up. Um, product on the field wise, though, I mean, got to be real honest. I, and I mean, I certainly is not trying to sound, you know, overconfident or anything like that. But we, we've actually done pretty well against the SEC since, you know, the start of the decade. Now, we went to the Shriners Classic in 2020. Um, took two out of three there against Arkansas, Missouri, and LSU. Um, so that, you know, obviously I know that was 2020, but, you know, when you're looking at recency, um, that's, that's certainly part of it. I know um, in 2021, I, I believe we played Arkansas um, either close and, and won that one. Uh, and then Auburn, I know we beat in, uh, in that year as well. Um, we beat Auburn. Um, last year, uh, obviously we, we beat Texas A&M twice to bump them out of the, out of Omaha. Um, early in the year, we beat Auburn. There's a lot of wins against SEC schools over the last, you know, five years. And, and, and it's not the slouches in the SEC by any means. I mean, uh, we beat Mississippi state this year, 15 to nine. I get it. They, they, uh, didn't have the best year, but you know, uh, so I, I, I really got to say, I, I'm not super worried about the SEC. Um, I feel like it's, you know, this year we were very fortunate to make the tournament in my opinion. Um, I'm super glad we did. Don't get me wrong. The guys put up some big wins. We've already mentioned Texas and Stanford, but you know, being a sixth or seventh in, in the conference in the big 12 usually does not get you into the regionals. Uh, being sixth or seventh in the SEC is a guarantee. So I think we'll do fine. I think there's going to be a learning curve. We're going to have to get used to playing in some absolutely raucous environments. Uh, you know, we're going to have to probably get used to them traveling really, really well. SEC travels really, really well. Um, and so there's going to be a good contingent coming to our own ballpark. So uh, we got to get facilities up there, but products down the field wise, I think Skip Johnson's building a really solid program. We have some major recruits coming in. Uh, he's already proven that he can work the portal really well by getting guys like Dakota Harris and 
um, Bryce Madrin, who was the junior college player of the year last year. So, um, you know, I'm not too worried about the SEC. I, am I acting like, oh, yeah, we're going to go in there and win it the next three years? No. I mean, you know, we're going to we're going to have runs just like, at, you know, other schools in the SEC do. Um, but I really think we can hold our own. Yeah, that's something um, you talk about uh, the SEC. It's pretty crazy. You mentioned Mississippi State. And, you know, they won a national championship um, just a few years ago, I guess a couple years ago. And then you know, they proceeded to lose 18 straight SEC games. And that's unbelievable. And then last year, Ole Miss you know, snuck into the tournament, got hot, um, and then the, the Rebs won it all. And then this year, you know, well, they have a below 500 season. Yeah. it's And I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I, I will say, like, for a lot of people, this year has been super disappointing in some aspects. Uh, barely making the tournament was – and it's really the way that we've lost this year that's been kind of challenging and disappointing at times. But when you actually look around um, at, at the teams that were in Omaha last year or when, you know, the other teams that were um, in the tournament in previous years that went really deep and got gutted by the draft, um, making a regional this year is is actually a really solid thing, really great thing for the program to uh, continue to make postseasons. That's what builds programs. And so, we're excited. Of course, someday we hope to aspire to get um, four hosts in a row. Um, that's something that we have not been able to do in a long time is host a regional. So, um, you know, I've got to say there's a, there's some uh, envy there towards you all hosting, hosting that many regionals, but um, we're, we're hopeful to get back to that level of the program. So, uh, and also, you know, again, really appreciate you all having me on. Um, any any other thoughts or questions? I just had one final one uh, when it, for uh, Bubba and our stadium nerds. So can you give us an idea if we came to your ballpark uh, there for you guys to for a home game, what's the atmosphere like there? Obviously, we're North Carolina and Oklahoma are not side by side neighboring states. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we would it would be a special circumstance that pirate fans. But uh, what's it like there? You know, um, we've had really good turnouts this year. Um, we had the uh, the last Bedlam where we played OSU uh, was the, you know, one of the largest crowd, the largest crowd I think we've ever had. Um, you know, I, I think it would probably surprise you a little bit because it's not, it's not crazy. Um, you know, the, I think it, it's, you know, it's not like we're packing eight 8,000 people in there. It's, you know. 3,500, 4,000. Um, the, where we usually sit um, is the berm, which is the outside part of the, of right field um, where we do all of our activities. That that's pretty fun. That's a, a pretty big party out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would probably surprise you that a team that just made the college world series finals last year um, has, has some definite, room to improve their game day experience in, in crowds. If I'm being completely honest, this is, this is full honesty from a, from a fan. So, well, you definitely have to come to uh, Greenville to Clark LeClaire stadium. In fact, uh, we have a thing the first weekend of March and, and that's the Keith LeClaire classic. And we get teams from all over the country. I would love to 
uh, have you guys come. That'll be a lot of fun. Love for you to see that and hang out. And uh, you guys got to have to experience the jungle. The outfield is amazing with the atmosphere. Yeah, this, this year we had Indiana and Long Beach State and and um, a whole host of teams, like Dave said, over the years. I would, if I ever make it to North Carolina during a season, I can guarantee you I will be going to an East Carolina game because I believe me, I I am up to up to speed on all the programs out there and their uh, the fun stuff that they do at their ballparks, and that is certainly one of the tops. So, I know you've been generous for your time. Can you tell everybody again about the podcast and uh, yeah, certainly about how can people can follow you guys like on uh, social media. Yeah, so uh, podcast is the Oklahoma Baseball Experience. It's uh, anywhere that you can find podcasts, Spotify, uh, iTunes. Um, just started that up this year. We're about 20 episodes. I know that pales in comparison to uh, to 900, but we'll get there eventually, right? Uh, by that time, you all will be on you know, you know, your 5,000th episode. So um, we'll... Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's good. We have a lot of players come on. We have some coaches come on. I know you all spoke about coaching staff uh, being pretty friendly with uh, college baseball. So um, we do that. Um, tw- Twitter wise, um, Schultze012 is the the Twitter handle. Um, you, ca- you can't miss it. It's got the OU and uh, ORU slash in between it. And then my uh, partner in crime, Johnny Baseball um, at Web Dingus is uh, is you know, who you really want to follow. And, and he's really, in all reality, he is the, uh, as he's said in our intro, the sod father, he is the, um, the father of all things, um, Twitter and podcasting and promoting fans, promoting the team, um, at OU. So, um, he's a, he's a great guy, great follow. Um, and, uh, we've been, we've been pretty happy to do this the last couple of years. Sounds good. Good luck to you guys, obviously. With yeah, the you as well. And I appreciate you coming on tonight. It'll be interesting to see Pirates and Sooners on Friday night and at 7 o'clock. And, and I think that's the ESPN2 uh, game for the people that are back home in uh, Norman or Greenville. And so you can check that out. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, look forward. Maybe we can meet sometime in person. But uh, good luck to you guys. And we'll talk again very soon. Absolutely. Thank you all. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right, Bubba, the great show as always. Appreciate uh, Brandon coming on. And uh, we uh, will have all the updates uh, as once when the, with the regional. And I know we'll have a, a lot of fun in Charlottesville. Cannot wait. It's going to be outstanding. My kids are, Alex and McKenzie, are going to enjoy it. And I appreciate uh, everything you do for the show. And uh, it's going to be, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's one of those things uh, we're not used to. It's been a while, 2016 in Charlottesville, the last time the Pirates were on the road. And we'll see how it goes. I know you're on vacation, so I'll let you get back to that. And uh, we'll get it out of here, folks. Appreciate it very much. And uh, you can uh, follow us right But Before we get out of here, we'll tell everybody about our YouTube channel and social media, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll certainly um, plug our social media platforms. Um, like Dave said, sub- subscribe on YouTube as we're, we're approaching 900 subscribers. Um, definitely like and follow on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter at eSportsOBJ. And then on Instagram and TikTok, it's at the Sports Objective. And then if you have any questions uh, that you would like us to ask to a guest or just about the podcast in general, 
uh, you know, anything uh, like that at all, maybe a potential guest that you would like for us to have on, or um, like I said, anything concerning the sports objective, reach out to us at thesportsobj at gmail.com. All right. Uh, we appreciate all the support of our viewers and listeners. Thanks so much for Brandy coming on with uh, with Oklahoma, the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma baseball experience. And uh, good luck to uh, them. A great show and uh, appreciate their support uh, during this uh, Charlottesville regional preview. Appreciate Brandon coming on. All right, we'll get out of here. Good luck to the Pirates. And uh, we'll be talking to you very soon. And uh, thank you, Bubba, very much. I'm Dave Richmond. And as always, good night, everybody. And go Pirates. Every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going.